You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Corey Munson. I'm coming to you live from Des Moines, Iowa. I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Castro in Arizona and Liam Poach, who has relocated to Salem, Massachusetts. Ooh, for two weeks, at least. And we are, for the first few minutes of the show, also joined by our moderator, Josh Fredland, who's going to update us on some stuff he attended this weekend, so we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, for throughout the show, be sure to hit Josh up with questions, comments, stuff over in the comments section. So... With that said, how was your week, guys? Um, it was intense. <laughs> That's all I gotta say about that. Um, well, as you can tell, I've been like now I, I got a they a Seawolves member of the Seawolves ownership group got me a shirt, got me a Seawolves playoff shirt. Like man, and he was telling me the entire game, you better put that on, you better put that on. And I was like, dude, I, I can't. Like, put this on during the game. Like, you, you can't do that. But um, I told him I would definitely wear it uh, at, on the show because, you know, they did win. So we got to give gotta give the people who give us love some love. So there you go. Um, actually, I'm going to take that off. I'm not using the dang uh, neckerchief, the scarf, because it is over 100 degrees right now outside. <laughs> so, No. I'm I'm good. Uh man, it was a busy week. Uh got up to Seattle on Friday. Uh ran a bunch of logistics on the league side um of the media stuff I do. Uh you know, if you haven't had a chance to see Mark uh Stravina and Stacy Pates on the San Diego Legion page, that was one of the events we coordinated uh to get up as far as uh semifinals preview. Uh check that out. Loads of good content from them. Uh, interviews with uh, Rob Hoadley, Zach Tess, uh, what was it? Nate Augsburger, Joe Peterson, Patty Ryan, uh, James English, Mike Tolkien, uh, Mike Petrie, who is who's got a future outside of you know teaching. If you know this thing takes off, if he, whenever he decides to hang him up, uh, he, I mean, he's got like he, his knowledge of the game is immense, and he's got this kind of voice that. It's pretty set. Like it will carry over, especially if you're a, a New York or Northeaster guy. Like it, it fits that like that region of the world. And I was like, man, this is good. like he was he was killing it. Ben Foden, I mean, he he killed it too. Don't get me wrong, but uh, well, Mike Petrie's a teacher, you know. He has to have that. Yeah, so he, with so his he, voice, you know, he's got that like presence. He's a science teacher at that. He's got that that public speaking ability from teaching ingrates who are in the seventh grade. I think he's a seventh grade teacher, maybe sixth or eighth. I'm not sure. There, but, there was there was some like little docu like like mini documentary on like uh, on him being a teacher that I saw like my freshman year of college. That's out there. If, so if people search him on YouTube, you might be able to find that more information but, uh, on his career. Well, we got that one off. Uh, the other one we weren't able to because all sorts of travel issues, man. When you when you run a league that has employees everywhere, sometimes you know things. Uh, you know, snow and lightning and 
crazy things that happen, especially in Denver, because Denver obviously gets crazy weather this time of year. That I didn't know, but it it happened. Um, but uh, then, you know, the Seattle Seawolves uh, and their communication staff, they took care of me, which was awesome. So uh, I was invited to the uh, Washington Athletic Club Collegiate Awards Dinner, where they – the best – I want to not normalize this, but the best way to put this is – either the Wooden Award or the Heisman of American Rugby. That was the uh, Rudy Shawls Award for the best men's collegiate rugby player in the country in the 2018-2019 season. Uh, and that was bestowed to Life University's Harley Wheeler. So that was really awesome. Really good dude. Uh, you know, and he's going to be playing in the MLR. Pretty soon. He told me who he was signed by. I think everyone knows if they go look at it on Instagram, but it has yet to be confirmed by the team. But it, uh, I think they're close by. Um, <laughs> and then we got into the M.A. Sorensen Award. Uh, unlike Richal's, uh the M.A. is still alive. Um, so you got to see the the namesake of the award. Uh, Rudy Shaw's granddaughter was really cool. She had an awesome speech that talked about her grandfather who was uh, who left the army as a colonel um, right after uh, World War II. So, I mean, it was a really good story. Um, but M.A. was talking about a bunch of different things, talked about being a prop, talked about how she she had known um, Emily Henrik, uh, Emily Henrik's whole life because she and Lisa Henrik, Emily's mom, um, were teammates. So like really good story, like a talking about rugby and then talking about that like sort of familial like relationship to where like this young girl aspires to be one of the top collegiate rugby players for the award whose namesake she knows personally, she was always like wanting to go towards that end. And, uh, you know, Emily is a capped Eagle. Uh, she had, she was also called by Chris Brown up to residency, uh, in the buildup towards, uh, Tokyo 2020. And, um, pretty sure she's going to make the squad. She is a very dynamic player. You don't get capped at 18, uh, as an international athlete, if you in 15s, if you can't ball, so good for her. Uh, Shalom Sunula was the uh, was the guest speaker, and man, uh, I got I got part of the speech where he talks about the type of rugby players. He talks about forwards, he talks about inside backs, and he talks about outside backs. And uh, you know, it's it's about two and a half minutes of this. 15 minute great speech. I'm going to get that up on YouTube because it was great. AKA guys like Liam start fights and they skitter off while us forwards have to clean it up. (laughs) 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 Uh, But uh, I got to talk to a bunch of people from the Seawolves, a bunch of people in Seattle rugby and outside of Seattle rugby. I ran into a former teammate of mine from Fort Bliss Warriors yeah, this isn't really about Major League Rugby. Well, I guess we'll get into that later. But um, basically, the other hooker on the team found is like I'm out of the I'm off active duty now, and he's he's uh, he and his wife are both stationed at Lewis McCord. Uh, his wife plays for WAC and Saracens Women. 
So uh, he doesn't play right now because somebody's got to hold the fort down, I guess. But uh, good to see the two hookers that pushed each other for selection for um, two seasons from the Fort Bliss Warriors still, uh, you know, still alive, as it were. It was kind of a, a really cool reunion. Hadn't seen him in almost three years. Uh, what else? Um, oh, yeah, the Seawolves game. We'll get into that. But that was a really great experience. Uh, personally, I did pick San Diego. So when I was in the bar with about 100 Seawolves fans, it was uh, it was kind of tenuous because I was like, you know. So, but yeah, that's, that's, and then I just got back uh, a couple hours ago uh, from Seattle and I have a bunch of work to do <laughs> after we finish. So, yeah. so what you're trying to say, Aaron, is basically you didn't really do much this weekend. Oh no. I, uh, I, there was a lot of socializing this weekend. Um, I, it was a rugby tour. So I was on the beers quite a bit on Saturday night. Um, a little bit yesterday, not as much because I'm an old man. I cannot handle what Liam can um, <laughs> these days. Uh, so, you know, you just, uh, it, it was a great time. Um, thanks to the Seattle Seawolves and, um, you know, it was, it was a great experience and we'll talk about the game a little bit later. All right. All right. So, uh, Aaron, I'm feeling you on the whole uh, just got in on an airplane. May not have been a few hours ago, but uh, I flew into Logan around 11 o'clock last night. So I am freaking exhausted and it's it's not even funny uh, on the plane ride from Houston. Um, so I was able to watch the San Diego game, like waiting for my wait, waiting for my plane, like in the uh, like you know, at the gate. And unfortunately, the Wi-Fi was crappy, so the Seattle game was coming in and out on my phone. Uh, and but I was able to watch the Bruins, thankfully, because JetBlue has those little TVs and they have you know free cable, uh, basically. So I was able to see the Bruins win last night versus the Blues, and that was definitely a good experience. Everybody on the plane was uh, was really into it every time the Bruins scored, which was a lot. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and yeah, so I'm really exhausted right now but uh you know was out and about a lot today doing stuff with people who demand my company after a six-month absence but uh yeah i'm you know I'm, I'm gonna be excited to be watching the mlr championship from a boston bar uh next uh on on sunday the free jacks will be hosting a watch party uh at boston's best bar you know i'm, I'm kind of emphasizing that bar there part but <laughs> you get it. Well, yeah. I, I can definitely say Texas weather strikes again. So uh, my flight got delayed because the Dude, flight before my coming from Austin got stuck in the weather, and I didn't get home till two thirty this morning. Yep. At least no uh, no cranes fell on top of it. True. Shouldn't even joke about that. People got hurt. <laughs> Yeah, I, so apparently we've all been like freaking exhausted and traveling because I just got back in town about uh, between seven and seven thirty. I put uh, seven hundred miles on the old car this weekend. So Jesus, yeah, it was a it was a busy weekend between uh, going home for birthdays uh, back to Cedar Rapids, and then I had uh, had about oh about four hundred fifty miles today on uh, a round trip on a business. Uh, had to drive up to Northeast Iowa and back. Wait. So. Wait, 450 miles in a day, dude? Jesus. Like, 
Yeah, is that just in Iowa? Like, 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 oh, it's right up the road, eh? It's just 35 minutes. No, that's from the middle of Iowa to the east side of Iowa. What, what, what story were you chasing, Corey? Oh, I was just interviewing a farmer up there and uh, just went up to see him. It was uh, four hours up, four hours down. So, yeah, it was uh, a long freaking day. <laughs> so, grow some corn in that corner. Yeah. So, I, I guess what we're saying is uh, for our audience this week, we're really, really excited about the semifinals, but we're all freaking beat as hell. So, Let's get into the show. What do you say? Uh, let me tell you a little bit about us real quick, and then uh, we'll get to it. First up, uh, this is Earful of Dirt, the podcast. Uh, we do this each and every Monday night here on YouTube. Uh, we discuss rumors, news, and all of the stuff coming out of Major League Rugby, which is the United States Professional Rugby Union. It's our chance to look at the issues, hear from the league, players, and team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. So, Aaron, what we got on the show this week? Got a special report from our nation's capital. We deployed Josh Fredland from his vacation to steal some food from Quizzing Solutions to see if the you know the stuff was real. Um, but yes, he did see an ex uh, an MLR exhibition site in person. So we'll get into that. San Diego sneaks past New York, Seattle. Man, they thumped Toronto. And uh, we'll get into a championship preview as well as our predictions. Fantastic. So, yeah, uh, first up, we want to hit on the uh, Old Glory DC had an exhibition match. They're one of the expansion teams for uh, MLR 2020, for those of you guys uh, not up to speed. Uh, so Old Glory uh, hosted the Ontario Blues, uh, which is a uh, high-level club team from uh, the Toronto area. Uh, and they won in DC, DC won 29 Correction. to 15. Correction. Provincial. They're, prov they're a provincial team. They're a provincial team from the Toronto region. They're somewhere up there. <laughs> anyway. Uh, hey, Josh, tell us about the game. Uh, is that, it was pretty decently attended. You had about 2,200 people, not the, not the most they've had, but not the least they've had either. Uh, Cardinal stadium is actually, so it's in the northeast side of uh, D.C. It's, I say it's a decent location. Um, they don't know exactly where they're going to do it, but Cardinal Stadium actually had a decent tailgating area in the the one corner. So I guess from the camera side, the bottom right corner is where the tailgating was. Um, a lot of people actually stood over there to watch the game. Uh, overall, it was actually pretty decent. I say well, it's an up-and-down performance from – from DC, they started hot, got cold, and then finished strong. Um, they just need to play together more. They have the talent, but they just need the cohesion. And I, I will call this now specifically for Brian Ray for making fun of me for doing this earlier this season. Josh Brown is my MLR preseason newcomer of the year for next season. Mm. Nice. Aaron, did you get a chance to catch any of this game? Yeah, I was able to uh, to catch some of it before heading out. I think I actually I think I caught more of it than, than I didn't. Uh, really, uh, you have a brand new Ontario Blues side. Everyone who had played for the Blues for the last five years that was this cohesive group that would beat on occasion team. Well, not on occasion, but often teams like Old Blue, Nyack, the Raptors. Uh, you know, guess where they are? They're playing. 
they are the either elsewhere, like Eric Howard with Nola Gold, or they are the Toronto Arrows. So this is all the younger guys that was behind that group of players and, you know, guys who, you know, just essentially the Glendale Merlins. Yeah. So yeah, Yeah. you you got the Glendale Merlins of a provincial side forming up that will get some good coaching, but uh, for the most part, some of these guys will be trying for MLR next year, but they're, they're not there yet. Like, so in theory, talent wise, DC hopefully would be better, but, uh, we got to give them some time to develop because I think this this blue side will probably get its butt kicked in the CRC. Yeah. So uh, personally, I was only able to catch a few minutes of this game myself. Uh, I thought the OGs played pretty well, but uh, kind of like Josh said, there's just some, there's 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 a lot to be said for the cohesion of this team. Um, they seemed a lot mildly disjointed about the way they played, but that's sort of that's kind of to be expected at this point. They still don't chemistry and there's still not you know a, a huge amount of certainty be, certainty about what this roster is going to officially look like uh come mlr 2020 um ontario didn't have as much of a fight as i thought they would again they were a younger side uh and they seemed they played very much like a club team uh you know as opposed to the dominant uh, blues club that we've seen in the past and the one who has defeated teams like the glendale raptors uh one complaint i had against both of these teams specifically was the literal depth uh, on on their line offensively, um, you know, as in neither team was really giving their ball carriers the opportunity to get into space. Um, hey, Corey, you, you're continuously highlighting my script, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, like not, neither neither team was kind of giving their ball carriers, I felt like the opportunity to get into space because of a litany of flat passes. Uh, transitions going to be a work in progress for this team, especially after turnovers, and that's going to be a huge fact. Uh, that's going to be a huge factor going in. Oh, so actually, I do have another observation, and this has nothing to do with this game. The Glendale Merlins and Glendale Raptors have to have two of the most disappointing mascots and logos compared to what their names are. Like, I, I get like that they're they're both like birds or something like that technically, but the Glendale Merlins should be their logo should be a big bearded wizard with a hat. The Glendale Raptors need to be a goddamn Velociraptor from Jurassic Park, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like the, it's like the idea it's like the idea of a Knights of the Old Republic movie for Star Wars fans. Is, give us what we want. You know what we want. Give it to us. Yeah, it's just kind of disappointing all the way around. It's like you know you're being sold a bill of goods here that just isn't paying off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Okay. Uh, so one more question, Josh, before you uh, head back uh, behind the camera there. Uh, did you have a chance to check out the sandwich? Unfortunately, I didn't. Um, we we met up with some friends of my dad's who played who played rugby in the D.C. area, still plays old boys rugby in the D.C. area. Uh, we had some food with them. I did hear a couple people talk about it in passing. Said it was okay sandwich, probably not worth the price, though. Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Old Glory may be the only MLR team with an official sandwich. If you haven't seen it yet, go check out their uh, socials. They got it posted up there. So thank you, Josh, so much for uh, stepping out to the game this uh, last weekend. We really appreciate the report. And uh, as always, please uh, hit him up 
in the comment section here on YouTube uh, with question comments throughout the show. So he'll be back there helping you out. So thank you so much, Josh. Bye, Josh. All right. So let's call, let's talk about some uh, playoff action. What do you guys say? Oh, I think that might be nice there, guy. Yeah, that's kind of why we're here, right? <laughs> First up. I we... have nowhere else to go. <laughs> Uh, first oh up was uh, Rooney uh, traveling all the way to San Diego and almost winning it. Almost winning it. But you know what they always say, winning teams find a way to win. So uh, San Diego pulled it out right at the death and uh, won 24-22. Liam, start us off with some analysis. So uh, as I said uh, during the intro to the show, I was in the airport for this one, sitting at the bar at Papa's Barbecue two hours before I was scheduled to board. Waiting in airports, to uh, to me, honestly, is almost as bad as sitting on the tarmac. Just, you know, you're, you're forced to sit in like that, you know, that un uncomfortable uh, gate waiting room chair um, other or otherwise, you know, one of their weird semi-comfortable couches that are in odd shape so you can't even stretch out and get comfortable. Don't even get me started. Uh, anyway, I thought in a lot of ways we saw the best versions of both of these teams, and in some other ways, not so much. Uh, first thing that stood out to me was the overall speed of the game right out of the gate. Obviously going obviously going in, this is the playoffs, and a little bit more of extra gusto, I guess you could say, is expected. And those expectations were definitely met. So, like I said, there was a lot of examples of the best versions of each of these teams, uh, mainly being defense in the first half. We saw an absence of scoring for the first 14 minutes of play before Patty Ryan would rumble over the line for Rooney, while San Diego didn't find their first score till almost 27 minutes in by the way of uh, Piffoletti. So right up until 40 minutes, this is like wicked tight. And not going to lie, I thought it was huge for Rooney uh, to go into the half with the late lead thanks to Dylan Fawcett. Getting the try out of what else but the line out where he's gotten a lot of his booty so far this season. But uh, I thought that halftime lead was huge, not only from a confidence level, but just based on the fact that San Diego was having a much tougher time than usual, keeping the ball to themselves. And New York was playing very aggressive that even the Leeds' number one ranked defense kind of looked jumbled at times. But uh, the second half told a completely different story, especially when it came to San Diego's possession. I didn't see New York's aggression necessarily subside, but rather San Diego just kind of began executing at a much more efficient level than the first. So probably in uh, probably more so in the ways that people kind of expected them to be operating going into this game. Anyway, in the end, the newfound execution ended up with them being able to secure two more tries in the game. The first being early on from uh, Josh Ferno and the nail in the coffin and the game-winning try coming from the ever-impactful Mr. J.P. Duplassis, who, Aaron, maybe we'll talk about it, but uh, Dark Horse MVP? Uh, in the head-to-head, -head, San Diego controlled over 60% of Dark Horse? Dude, he's, he's like, raised the flag. He's like... Um, uh, uh, I think there's other players who, who, who you can make the case for. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm saying he would, I wouldn't consider him a Dark Horse. I would, I would consider that, him that's a, fair. a real shot. Yeah. All right, all right. So, in the head-to-head, -head, San Diego controlled over 60% of possession, mostly thanks to, uh, mostly thanks to their play in the second half. On top of that, the Legion had 829 total meters on the night with an average MVP of 4.7 and six line breaks, which uh, an average an average uh, MPP or meters per pass of 4.7 on six line breaks, 
that's that's kind of low, but anything, it's it's not too flashy anyway, but you can't argue with the results because winners win. Uh, meanwhile, the Rooney Roosters, uh, by the way, would you say that the Legion, the Legion choked these Roosters? They, they ended up choking out the Rooster by the end of the... Ah, anyway, uh, only 438 meters on the night for the Rooney Roosters, uh, more than half of which was in the first half with an average MPP of 4.3. Saint, um, so, yeah, not the best night off, uh, offensively for New York. They kind of fell off in the in the second half, especially. It just didn't seem like they could, uh, you know, they they were they they started committing more penalties. Even though San Diego definitely took that one with eleven total. Uh, good luck doing that versus Seattle. But I, I, it's it's unfortunate just because you you felt like there was so much promise with them moving the ball offensively in the first half, but it just didn't seem like they actually got the chance to do so in the second half. Just thanks to a litany of things that. What was just them getting in their own way? All right. Well, 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 well. That that was that was pretty good. I, I really, I'll, I'll look at it a different way. Um, not really how I saw this one going. Uh, really got to look at that defense that New York threw down, as as previously mentioned. Some high tackle counts by some hard hitters. We'll get into part of why that was actually bad for the Roosters. Uh, one of the major things I talk about is penalties uh, and turnovers against a more disciplined team. Sa- San Diego would probably lose. Guess what? New York isn't that disciplined of a team um, when it comes to, you know, penalty ratio. New York conceded 12 turnovers to San Diego's 15, so really not a good ratio to capitalize on. Yes, it's three more, but uh, when we get into that, uh, if you look at – if when we get to the point where everyone can see stats, I, I know I was asked. So I, that was a major question I was asked uh, this weekend. And I was like, it's coming. I can't tell you when uh, I'll share as much as I can. I can't give you the document. That's not how this works. But, um, you know, uh, they committed eight. In, so 12 turnovers, eight infringements. Uh, is that good enough against some other team that doesn't have the same level of talent and physicality? as uh you know san diego does because san diego did give them plenty to work with uh they they had 15 turnovers and 12 infringements actually no i am completely wrong um wow so the the infringements was 12 to 10 so there you go um this this really i thought it was 12 to 8 uh and not uh so that, that's what you had was New York committed almost a penalty for penalty with San Diego, and that isn't really what's going to get you a win. It really takes uh, – I was talking to Chris Silverthorne after the game, and he was like, you know, it took us three yellow cards to beat them. They are the best team in the league. Like that – I mean, that, that's a lot of – it's a lot of praise, right? Where he's like, I'll take the win, but it took three yellow cards for us to for us to win that thing you know um so something we did see from san diego on like last week was commitment to the set piece uh against new orleans that they, they, they lost in their scrum and they lost in their line out and was really actually out physical in this game um they got 100 percent of their scrums if you look at the the line out percentage uh they were equal uh they both lost one as well so uh they were better they're they didn't really go in hard on their mall for their line-out drive. And similarly, New York went away 
from probably the most efficient or second most efficient mall in the league. Uh, I think the top three malls uh, were, well, maybe it wasn't New Orleans by the end, but if you look at the top four malls in the league, it would have been like Toronto, New York, San Diego, and New Orleans. And uh, San Diego would be like fifth, like pretty close to pretty close to number four, but not number four. And, you know, as they say for hookers, sometimes when you're in the mall, you're at the benefit, you, you benefit off everyone's hard work and you just score a lot. Well, they really wasted the, a lot of those opportunities going out of their, of their mall or go with like just taking the line out straight and passing back because you have this, this cheating defense from, and I, I don't mean cheating in like, you know, cheating uh, the way that defense is, it's a blitz umbrella. So they're going to challenge you at the breakdown and then sort of try to make you make a mistake on the wing. If that makes any sense. Um, and they've got the best line speed of any defense in the league in this, for San Diego. So that's why they've, you know, not allowed teams to score a lot of points. Uh, and to, for the, in that first half, New York really, uh, they were able to be so, somewhat successful, but they were inefficient the entire time. And going on to San Diego's attack, I really felt with how physical they were, you, I knew something was going to break, not for San Diego, but for New York. And I thought it would break much sooner than it did because they were just beating them up. But what happened was turnovers. And this is what sort of kept this kept them in the game. If you, so they have 15 turnovers, but I think it was either five or six, uh, you know, knock-ons out of the breakdown. Uh, so and then you had some good jackling from New York as well, but they they straight up knocked the ball on in the breakdown, you know, five times and giving the ball trying, away. Like, trying to play too fast, and you know, that's sometimes like you know that that's going to happen like when you're trying yeah. to get that quick ball up. But that's why you need to have that you know that synchronicity between yeah. the scrum half and the ball carriers. It was, so, and if you look at the way that the San Diego defense played, it forced Mike Petri to go faster. Uh, and and be a faster server out of the break uh, out of the breakdown because what if you looked at some of New York's uh, later games this year they've they've tried to slow it down quite a lot to eat up more clock and he they they both had seventy percent fast ruck rates and with what San Diego wanted to do if they'd held on to the ball one more time you know it's not twenty two to twenty it's it's twenty nine to twenty or if they held on the ball twice uh, you know it's it's a scoreline that more looks like uh, the Toronto game. And so, you know, we, we look at glow percentage, we look at uh, meters per pass. Uh, if to an extent, San Diego really wasn't trying to be efficient in meters per pass. Uh, what you have here is, and I've only really seen this a couple times this year in the league, but really at this high a level, I've only ever seen it once. And that was USA versus Scotland, where you just had these physical ball carriers uh, in Samu Manoa and Samu Manoa and Paul Lasique and Bryce Campbell, to where you're just like, there's only one way to break through, and that's literally to just hammer through this team. And the the tackle differential, 108 to 214. 
both so for missed for missed tackles it was 15 for San Diego and 31 for New York so when you have to make that many tackles and you and you're losing there there's kind of a reason and they instead of playing really they tried I mean they did San Diego did try to get the ball wide and credit to uh, guys like Will Leonard uh, who just got after it uh, you know from the wing position from uh, Mark O'Keefe like these, these guys just they, they did things and but it wasn't enough because most of most of their points either came off penalties or inside uh, with a guy like Joshua Ferno just just being physical and breaking hammering like John Henry away. Uh, field position is another one. If you look at field position uh, when it comes to their kicking, it was uh, sort of uh, more in the favor of Rugby United New York. But when you look at the territory that Rugby United New York gained, it was it was half of what uh, San Diego got. And I really think if you look at this game, a lot of San Diego's uh, you know meters were good meters. It wasn't necessarily it wasn't necessarily bat got batter garbage meters, but they just would give up the ball. Like they just hand it, hand it up. And Joe, so Joe Peterson on his own, 433 meters from 10 kicks. Like they just, they put the pressure on in the right ways. And at a certain point it broke. And in, in a lot of ways, similar to how at a certain point, uh, you know, it broke for Toronto last week when they played New York and Sam Malcolm, who I met last night just was a little cheeky little fellow and, you know, put that ball, you know, right through the goalposts and, you know, one on one on a drop goal. So that, that's sort of where we were. And uh, it was, it was, a, it was an impressive game to watch defensively, offensively. Well, on both ends, it was kind of dirty. Fair enough. So that started us off. Um, and if that one was, I, I kind of got myself in a little bit of tr- trouble on Twitter for saying that if uh, the San Diego game was incredibly exciting, I kind of thought that the uh, Seattle game was a little bit boring just because, well, Seattle pretty much had this thing under control the entire match. I really felt like uh, there wasn't much of a How dare you there. say anything against the Rain City Texas? <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I wasn't. I was praising them. <laughs> I was saying the uh, the the fish did very, very well this weekend. So, uh, Starfire Magic continues, and uh, Seattle won at home over Toronto. 30-12 to 12 was the final on that one. Uh, yeah, Aaron, lead us off with some analysis. You know, I, I was talking to uh, both Sabercats owners on uh, Saturday night at the WAC, and, you know, I was like, so they were like, who you got? Who you got? Like, you know, telling me to just put my pick down. And I was like, well, um, I was like, well, the last two times I picked against you in a knockout game, you won. So maybe I should have just picked against you, but I picked you by three. I, I really think this is going to be a bar fight because, you know, this is, you know, the two most defensive, like, Two really good defense, two most disciplined teams in the league, and it was not. Uh, it, it became so in the second half because Toronto is a very skilled team 
they are uh, they've been together a very long time and you know it it showed like their experience their international experience in the second half they got after it and you know they, I talked to you know the the GM Mark Winokur before and after the game and like I said I, I had spoken to Chris Silverthorne and they're just like 10 minutes 10 freaking minutes is how they how they felt it and it really 10 minutes if they had had 10 more minutes it would have been an interesting game but at the end of the day the Seawolves did everything that they needed to do to win this uh they went out and they just pumped them like physically in the first half uh when it came to carrying uh man like not guy penny is a very physical ball runner but he can also like gash you. He he cut you know 15 meters a piece on his carries, and then you you have guys like Brad Tucker and Samu who do their thing. But it was really for the most part, uh, from the Seawolves' perspective, it was a big team effort. Like a lot of guys had over 40 meters uh, made in this game. Uh, defensively, I, that's really where this thing changes a bit because of the physical hits that they distributed. Uh, Apinakiatini, you know, he laid some some physical hits, and then Brad Tucker laid some physical hits. But the one that is going to be on a highlight reel is where Samu Manoa knocks the breath out of Sam Malcolm, and I can tell you that Sam is perfectly fine because I spoke to him after the match, like he was, he was great. But that impact, <laughs> Sam was like 275 pounds, you know, and that's what he's fit. Like, so, so Sam was coherent. He was responding. To oh, he was, he was actually great. asking, <laughs> but I think his like, like below the neck, like, like below the collarbones. It's gotta be sore. He's, he's, he's probably in an ice bath right now. You know, doing doing every, like going to cryo multiple times. Probably went to cryo multiple times today after he got back. He's a kiwi man. I'm pretty sure like their bodies are just genetically built for rugby, though. Yeah, they're so. I mean, he's probably been hit by bigger, like as big a guys growing up, you know. But it was that was that was that was something because I was like, man. And he probably just needed to catch his breath, but he he had, he had a decent game too, uh, for for his side for for the arrows. But at the end of the day, man, what they did like when it came to ball position, uh, they had over seven hundred meters kicked. Uh, and Stefan Stefan Coetzee, I hate you, um, <laughs> I, I hate you and the butcher and others of your kind. Well, actually. You're my brothers, but I don't know how to kick in play. <laughs> I don't. And these these hookers, man, in Major League Rugby are skillful dudes. They're just putting kicks in play all the time. Oh, man, it, it was good. Uh, uh, you know, when it comes to penalties, uh, Seawolves made less penalties. When it comes to, like, you had like a card. five penalties. Yeah, they, they committed five. five and, and this is one of the few games where – you know, uh, the arrows committed over ten infringements. They had a yellow card. Uh, the big thing, though, in this one was turnovers. Uh, they they just cough up. They coughed up the ball, man. Yeah, we ain't talking about the apple kind either. Um, twenty-two turnovers conceded for the arrows. 
So they gave the Seawolves pretty much every opportunity that they needed to be in position to score early and often. And that's why the territory is different uh, in 42% compared to 58%. And meters made is significantly in the, in the favor of the arrows. It's because they had to make those meters. And then they gave up the ball uh, in the wrong part of the field and then would commit an infringement. And then Brock Stoller would make a penalty goal. He had three penalty goals. He missed one. Um, there was this one tackle that I thought Brock Stoller got hit by Spencer Jones in the face um, because he was like, he's being, I forget who he was being tackled by. And then I just see this arm swing and Brock's like, dude, I don't even remember. <laughs> like I'm good. Like I, it, it probably missed. <laughs> um, and but then, then we get to the second half and, and what do you see? You, you see tor- the, the arrows, they come out and they force that seawall defense to, to awaken and make the right stops at the right time because it's hard to come back from, you know, 20 points. And they had 20 points and then they had 23 points and then they had 30 points. And, you know, that there was this uh, one kick where I, I just remember seeing Tony Rennell. He's like, we have to make this. We have to make this. We have to make this. And this is the one penalty that Brockstar misses. Oh man, <laughs> like seeing because they 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 knew like this the Seawolves fans that they're they're smart bunch they they knew that the amount of points that they had wasn't enough and eventually you know the Seawolves continued to to go as well and they scored more points scored another try and they they just made it happen uh, when it comes to the scrum man there were some questions about how the breakdown was officiated. But I'll tell you, they conceded the fact that they got their butt whooped in the first half. And then in the second half, because you leave Brewer and Mitchell in a longer period of time, there was a big drop-off uh, when Jake Ilnicki and Oppie Nakatini came off the pit. Jake Ilnicki went in, Oppie Nakatini left the engine room, and you know when uh, Justice came off the field, and there was a big difference with Kellen Gordon and Jake Nicky, uh, you know, in the scrum. Like there just was, and I, I think they're going to have to work on that this week. Billy was back, and you know, made, made some really key tackles in the thirty minutes he was on the pitch. But he's also, I think, people are starting to see that uh, he's an instigator. And he smiles, which is makes it even more hilarious because he's got a big smile. He's fit. Like he is, I don't know about the leg, but he is in better fitness than he was last year. He's to be honest, he's he's a little cut up. So there you go. Nice, nice, nice. So uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, I was on an airplane for this game. And the crappy Wi-Fi, uh, you know, by the way, th- thank you for JetBlue for p- providing Wi-Fi. I was able to update my statuses and stuff like that on Facebook. But streaming, uh, definitely not optimal when it comes to the strength of the uh, of the Internet there. But what am I good for if not for some statistics? Uh, Aaron already gave you guys some. So just 
uh, basically in the head-to-head. Seattle came away with 44 total uh, possession advantage in this one and uh, 42% in territory. But based on the footage I've seen and what you know and what Aaron just said, that may have been a little bit skewered by Toronto's late uh, comeback attempt just to make it just to make it interesting for y'all. Uh, production on the ground: 561 total meters gained for Seattle, with an average meters per pass of 5.1. While Toronto came away with a pretty impressive 844 meters with a gain, uh, with an average MPP of 5.2. Big difference that stands out to me, again, as Aaron said, uh, penalties of which Seattle only gave up five compared to to Toronto's 11. So San Diego, uh, you you might want to tighten up because if you're given, if you you give opportunities to the Seattle team, they're going to make you pay their guy. They're going to make you pay. It'll be interesting, um, you know, after the performances this weekend, just to see what happens in the championship. But we'll get to that next. Real quick, I just want to point out um, how exciting is it to have uh, the two expansion teams for 2019 be the third and fourth place finishers for the season? Uh, you know, you know what I find even better actually is that it was four teams from both 2020 divisions. If, if you think it was an even split between both divisions. So not only is the new, the new MLR teams doing well to come up and make it to the playoffs, but they're, uh, they're even being nice enough just to make it nice and simple when it comes to future rivalries. Yeah. Or, it's it's yeah. kind of cool. If you look at this, well, next year, um, you won't get uh, an all West coast final because San Diego and Seattle are in the same division. Mm-hmm. And you could very well see New York and Toronto as your – I forget what the playoff format is next year, if it's just four teams or if it's uh, three rounds. It's, and, it's, and um, it's so, so, no, yeah. So, so there are two teams. Uh, the top one and two seeds uh, do get a bye week. Okay. Then, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So matrix. Sort yep. of. Exactly. All right, all right, all right. So all right, all right, all right. It is time to talk about – all the nachos, the big, the big, the big kahuna, the, the, the game calling what I'm lovingly referring to as championship, championship part de. Yeah. We have got Seattle traveling down south to Torero Stadium to face off about against San Diego. That is this Sunday, June 16th, 4 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. Not CBS Sports, not CBS The Ocho, CBS <laughs> Proper. This is the big time, folks. Moving on up. Yep. Liam, talk to us. Oh, I'll talk to you. Well, who doesn't like a good old title defense? Uh, as a Patriots fan, I certainly know how exciting it can be for a fan base. All right. To- thank you, Liam. Uh, Aaron, what do you think of this game? <laughs> No, no, no. Let me speak, goddammit. Seattle is such a complete team, but there's something about the momentum of San Diego in this one that I'm not going to be able to discount. On the other hand, Matt Turner and Brock Stoller alone kind of feel like the perfect pair to take advantage of uh, the weaknesses that San Diego does present. So I'll get to my prediction a little bit later, but... I think this is going to be, you know, one of the one of the league's most stalwart defenses versus one of the league's most efficient offenses. Uh, you know, Corey, I think you mentioned this is number one versus number two uh, in, in, you know, in the final rankings of Major League Rugby. I believe this 
this is the optimal championship, you know, the defending champions versus the, you know, the up and comers who felt like they, they left a little bit on the table last year. So I'm, I'm wicked excited for this championship coming up. So this is, this is a great one to, to think about. So last year, I was, I was told to plug this by, I guess this is what, what saved my life in Seattle. Cause I promised. Hello. I, I promise to plug this. Uh, so last year, uh, the Glendale Raptors beat them twice, uh, and they beat the Glendale Raptors in the final. So what do we got this year? The San Diego Legion beat them twice, and their aim is to ex- it. Their aim is to repeat history. That's what that's what they want to do. They're a different team. You didn't have the King. You didn't have Jeff Hassler. Uh, you didn't have the American assassin, the American hitman. You did not have Sam Umanoa on this on this Seawolves team. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting uh, to to see what this matchup is because I think Rob Hoadley has gone uh, more with skill guys on the on the wings for, for San Diego due to injuries, uh, sort of less dynamic finishers and more just, just guys who can do things, uh, in regards to passing distribution, kicking, um, uh, the question that we have is, is this team bigger, better than Seattle's team last year? And yeah, yeah, there's, there's no, uh, there's really no comparison. To an extent, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, they have a coach to to deal with the extra stuff, and it's he, Richie isn't just enough um, on the side because we're we're looking at a team that was all player led last year and they won a title, and so it's still very player led. I mean, most rugby teams are very player led, but them a little more so than not. But it, it gives you that it gives you that extra voice uh, to. To, to calm everyone down and, and focus them. And that's really probably what they needed uh, to, to make this step. Cause I don't know if they could have done this. They would not have been able to do the same thing this year, uh, given all the constraints. Now is San Diego better. Yeah. Like both, of, both of these teams are better. And I was, I was talking to a oh man, I keep dropping names, but I was talking to like one of the people I talked to, over the weekend a lot was Adrian Balfour. And he's like, next week, when you, and this is me just being pronounced and stupid on a Saturday night, uh, when you and San Diego play, it will be the highest quality domestic match in the United States ever. Knock on uh, wood. You know, you know, just because you said that, it's like the commentator's curse, right? Not, yeah, knock on wood here. But we're looking at two teams that athletically, maybe not wholly skill-wise, but athletically, you've got a bunch of Southern Hemisphere and European pros on this team, on both teams. Like guys who could play and some guys who – there's no way some of these guys don't get money and move away. And we're seeing that with some, with some guys on teams that didn't even make the playoffs. Frickin' Tristan Blewett. So, uh, Frickin' or, Sean Payton poaching our players. Or, or 
Just get over the call, man. All right. Instead of of going overseas, go to the NFL, like Tristan Blue. You know. Uh, So we're looking at like athletically two teams that would at least their 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 first fifteen, their their twenty three match day squad would compare pretty well uh, against a European team, uh, at least in second division. You know, I think uh, Aaron, I was actually I literally have a tab open on my computer right now, the English Premiership Rugby uh standings. And I was going to ask you between these two teams, if if you had to choose one of these teams to to face the Newcastle Fat Falcons, so they finished out the se- uh, the premiership season at six and sixteen. Who would you choose between the Legion and the uh Seawolves? Well, Newcastle's attack is awful, so let's go with the best defense. I mean, I honestly, like San I Diego, San Diego, but I, I, I would pick both, man. Like Newcastle was awful; they're going down for a reason. So, hold on, are, are you saying like, like not only could would they be competitive? Do you think they could actually beat the Newcastle Falcons? I think it would be. I think it would be interesting. I think that they have. I you know, I I don't think that the odds would be be that crazy. Uh, I guess the question, the better question would be is um, not uh, against London Irish because they're going up, but against Ealing, the team that has finished second in the championship the last three years and has a bunch of guys who were budding premiership come down. Like they're trying to get promoted before premiership ever gets closed off to them. And it's so- uh so hold on, Let, let's send a shout out uh, to fan of the show, Paul Mullen. Uh, Paul, if you happen to have any connections still with the Newcastle Falcons. Make this happen! <laughs> yeah, god damn it, man. <laughs> um, you, you're probably drinking your pickle juice right now. Probably, we'll, we'll it's, it's, probably why they're, it's probably why they're going down, because they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't give him, they couldn't make couldn't it. handle the Mullen man. They man. couldn't make it good and interesting enough to keep him. He's like... The muffin man maybe not and you know uh but it would be man that would that'd be an interesting matchup mm-hmm. i i'm tempted <laughs> I, I like let's make this happen on twitter all right like rugby fans watching and listening right now let's blow this up on twitter hit up the I'm, newcastle falcons we challenge you i'm gonna i'm gonna start that we're gonna i'm gonna put that on twitter right now all right well, hold on. What, what's the hashtag we're gonna use right now um, I'm going to say, what is it? SDL versus new. Let's do that. Yeah. So hashtag SDL versus new people get on Twitter. Let's make this happen right now. Newcastle Falcons. Let's show you, show, show your chops over here in the, uh, on the, on the, on the USA side. I'm, I'm, you know, because outrage, let's, mm-hmm. let's I'm going to, we're going to do this. I'm going to put it, oh, yeah. I'm going to put it on Twitter right now. Hells yeah. Get ready to retweet that stuff. Oh, I got the phone at the ready. I'm, it's on 4% battery because it was not plugged in. But yes, I will have the phone at the ready at the conclusion of this podcast. And this isn't to say like we'll we'll get into our picks, but this is just this is just us being fun. Not yeah. to say because honestly, it's going to be a hard pick. I'm, I'm going to give you a pick today, and I'm probably going to change it at the end of the week because rosters uh, come out. I mean, exactly. I'm in a, uh, I'm in a pay picks league. 
I'm in a paid picks league, so my shit's not due until the morning of. So yeah, cool. tune into Saturday morning Team Juice. Um, this weekend it might be Saturday afternoon Team Juice, just because I will be purposely waiting for the rosters to come out before I actually give you your guys uh, this preview. So you know we'll have a better idea then, and I may as well. I might might have to change my pick at that point as well. So. While uh, what were you gonna say, Liam? Sorry. No, no, I was just trying to fill the silence. Go, go right on ahead. Well, I was gonna say. So while Aaron's finishing up with the Twitter post, why don't I go ahead and just recap our picks for the semis? You should yeah. absolutely do that. So uh, first game of the weekend was uh, Rooney at San Diego. Uh, that one came out uh, twenty-four to twenty-two in San Diego's favor. We all had San Diego on this one, but we nobody thought it was going to be that close. So Aaron had him by 10. Liam had San Diego by 14, and I had San Diego by 10. I had that so wrong. Oh my yeah, gosh. We, we, we thought – I mean, I'm glad the game was closer, but we're just bad. <laughs> well, who, not nearly who a, a, a minus two margin, dude? Like, Yeah, nobody saw that one coming. Yeah. Uh, and you, but you guys fortunately were not as bad as I was on the second game of the weekend. Uh, that one was <laughs> Toronto at Seattle, uh, and C- Toronto fell seventeen to thirty uh, against Seattle. So, uh, Aaron, you had Seattle by three. Liam, you had uh, Seattle by five, and I had Toronto by five. So, yay me! Sad <laughs> <laughs> to be. Uh, I mean, like I said, uh, that's. I had those. I had that flip flop last week, right? I thought second game was, or I guess the fir- original first game was going to be the bar fight, and the other game was going to be, you know, you, you kind of see the easy, easy way of it. But you know, got it wrong, sort of. All right, so that brings us to our prediction for this Sunday. Uh, and real quick, once again, it is Seattle at San Diego. Sunday, June 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern. And I believe, if I'm doing my math right, that is, uh, what, 1 p.m. West uh, Pacific time? Yeah, it's it's early, actually, which is which is interesting. But, uh, you know, TV makes the world go round, and we own CBS. On network, so that'll be awesome. I've already been telling pe- folks at work to, uh, if they're sitting around bored Sunday afternoon, just to pop on uh, the CBS affiliate and enjoy some rugby. So, all right. So, uh, Aaron, what's your pick on this one? Man, you're making. All right. So, someone posted on Reddit who had the better, the deeper bench, and this is where I'm probably going to get into a little bit of trouble. Um. I don't think CC Mahoney, I don't think Seattle played this weekend. He was on the bench for the Legion. Um, it, it would be helpful. I hope he's able to play because it would be very helpful to have him out there in the engine room, especially uh, to provide some lift in the second half for the Legion. But I, I look at there was a there was a dramatic difference when Oppie Nakaitini came off the pitch when Justice and Tim Metro came off and their replacements came on. Like there was a big difference up front in, in the scrum mostly, not necessarily at the breakdown, but in the scrum mostly. And 
uh, Toronto's first choice front row stayed in for a, a bit longer than S- Seattle's. So I, I guess there's some questions there. Um, overall, oh man, it's it's really make hard. them pick. God damn it, it's really hard to know. Um, I, yeah. I can't even I can't even make fun of you for just like just read the script, Aaron, because you actually haven't written anything in the script. Yeah, shut the <laughs> shut up. I, I've ah. This is where are we at? So, uh, I mean, so, so, so here's something that doesn't work for you, um, in in this in what you posted. Mikey Teo will not be playing until uh, we play Canada at the end of July. Ah, god damn it! So, so, so that I will that. tell you, Mikey Teo is probably one of the reasons why that game was so close because he was not on the pitch. Um, uh, it's it's going to be, I mean, Seawolves are going to travel pretty well, but I think it's, this is a push San Diego minus two. Oh, so you actually are going with a minus two score line. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I am. Damn, Aaron. Uh, all right. Um, all right. So for my pick, uh, don't. Th- th- there's a little bit in me that just wants to see a new champion, just for the sake of you know changing it up for MLR. But overall, I think San Diego just uh, seems to have a pretty good balance between offense and defense. They have people who can score from all over the field. Their, their defense is pretty stalwart, especially inside the 22, and they're going to make you expend a whole lot of energy to work. However, Seattle is one of those teams that can handle a high work rate, uh, or most of their players can handle a high work rate, and they have people people on the bench, uh, most notably uh, Eric Duchel, who, again, one of those fun players in all of Major League Rugby. If he's not one of your favorites, you're doing something wrong. Uh, this is definitely a, uh, a a hard pick. So I'm going to go San Diego minus 10. There's uh, further predictions. There's going to be 1,600 collective meters gained in this, and my MVP pick will be JP Duplessis. Aaron, who's your MVP pick? Um, in this game? If, if, it's not, if it's not San Diego, then my MVP will be Matt Turner. Oh, if it's if it's not San Diego, my pick. So I'm gonna do. We're gonna do both, right? I'm gonna yeah. pick both. Brad Tucker for Seattle. I, I'm I'm going Brad Tucker. Um, he'll probably have like 80 meters gained and like 25 tackles or some stupid number, uh, and like three offloads. Uh, so I'm gonna go with him um, for Seattle as if. If there's a reason, I mean, Matt Turner will be part of that. But if there's a, if Brad Tucker has a good game, man, man, it'll it will be. JP Duplessis is a good shout. I guess the, I'm just you know I'm, you know a bunch of backs want to be loose forwards and a bunch of loose forwards want to be hookers. So, I guess I'm gonna stick with the captain. Um, Joe Peterson, if you, the dude plays like an animal. If it comes down to the leg, then yeah, I could absolutely see that as him getting the, uh, the award. He had had 120 meters gain and 14 tackles this weekend. (laughs) Like, geez. All right. 
my uh, my pick is is going in the opposite direction because I just I know betting against Seattle is never a good thing. So I'm going to say they win by ten. I think this is going to be a shocker, and I think they're going to repeat uh, exactly what they did last year, which is uh, uh, surprise us all with a victory. So to make them the most successful professional franchise in the history of sport, the first <laughs> team to win the first two titles of a league. It'd be huge. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Corey, you got to make a secondary prediction, though. Let's uh, come on. How, how many meters gain? Who's the MVP? You know, who's who's gonna who's gonna lose the rugby shorts on the field? Come on, give us something. I'm going to predict that uh, CJ is going to be at the game in San Diego. I can, uh, I, rep- I, I, I can, Seattle. I can confirm. That that is the case. So you're gonna have to come th- come up with something else. Uh, I think I owe you a secondary prediction. Um, I'm gonna go with over 350 tackles. Um, I'm gonna say under 1400 meters gained, and over 20 turnovers. <laughs> All right. I, okay. I hope there's not over 20 turnovers. I want to see some continuous play, but all right. How about how about this for my prediction? Uh, and since we probably will never see this number, I won't be able to be called out on it. <laughs> I'm predicting uh, a million plus viewership for the final game on CBS proper. Actually, you will. I mean, we'll be able to see this number because this because I've I've figured out how to pull like sports ratings. So, because somebody else publishes them, because you have to be a member of some thing to to get oh, them. Oh, that, that AP shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like uh, so. Someone else publishes sports ratings, and in general, like top cable. So, like if it hits like a million on network, it it will, will be great. Like it will know. It'll be awesome. So there, there's mine. There's uh, my secondary pick there. <laughs> All right, so uh, that brings us up to questions from Bob, <laughs> our friend uh, on the Reddit sphere. Uh, so yeah, everybody who's not familiar with this, we uh, take questions over on the Reddit page every week, and that's reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. So be sure to hit us up there if you have questions uh, before the show. So first one up this week comes from Greetings ADM, who says... I heard one of the people in the booth call the 20-minute water break a drench break. Can this be an official term now? I've never heard that term. So, sure, go ahead. Uh, why not? Yep. So All right. You're drinking that Saturday morning team juice. <laughs> uh, say knee. Will Ali Khalifi be available for the finals? No. IDK? No. Yeah. He, uh, he just got out of a walking boot. I saw him. Um, he's sad that he wasn't able to play, that he hasn't been able to train to, to go back and win this thing. Um, but he is working to be fit for the Pacific Nations Cup. Well, and certainly we can use him on the uh, Eagles side. So that's that's something. All right. Also from Nee, he asks, 
With the Sunwolves uh, getting booted from Super Rugby in the near future, what is the likelihood that some of their players or staff are going to come to the MLR? Staff is a better one. Uh, as far as players, not a whole, not many. I mean, there are a few guys that have played in the top league now. Uh, Patty, I think Patty, maybe. Yeah, Patty Ryan, Joe Peterson. Um, uh, who else? Uh, somebody else. Like, there, there are a few guys that have played in the top league, but not a, not a whole lot of some Wolves players are going to come out here, but they're going to play in the top league. I don't think some Wolves staff are coming. I think uh, Jake White, the former South Africa coach, is leaving the top league. So, his con because his contract is up, I would be interested if he comes in to coach an MLR team. But I think the current head coach for the Sunwolves will be grabbed by one of the top league teams. Yeah, I probably no chance, not a whole lot. Okay. Uh, and then our last three here are from SD Yeti, and he has a bunch of questions about uh, Gary Gold, um, who's the head coach for the USA uh, men's Eagles team. Uh, so, Aaron, I'll let you lead off with this one. Um, has Gary Gold been living in the States uh, for the last year or, or so as planned? Um, he has not moved here full time. Um but I mean, if if it's basically as if he was, uh, he spent about eight of twelve months uh, of every year, and this last year about eight and a half months here because he, I guess I'll, that'll get into this other question because it seems kind of, hey man, you would know if you paid attention. Yeah, uh, plot twist. Gary Gold has actually been living with me. It's kind of like a two-and-a-half men situation uh, with Connor Murphy being the kid. <laughs> what, what does he smell like? <laughs> I don't know. You'll have, to, um, you'll, you'll have to ask our version of the character of Rose, uh, but that's actually just Paul Santinelli uh, sneaking into our house every now and again. Shout out to you, Paul. <laughs> Uh, after 10 p.m. Central Time, things get weird. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. There's a early 2000s entertainment reference on this show. Like that. That's. Oh, by the way, that's a new part of this drinking of, of the EOD drinking game. Is every time a pop culture 2000s reference on the show is heard. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the final episode of Mash. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, uh, also from SD Yeti, does Gary Gold go to many U.S. or MLR matches, and do the coaches uh, do do the coach building stuff? Oh, does he work with the coaches, MLR um, coaches? That's, it seems kind of a weird that part. Like, does he do coach building? I mean, they I have mean, they have discussions, but he's there. He he's been to every single franchise except Toronto, like for a game. So, I mean, that goes into like, hey, how, how, has he lived here a lot? Yeah, he spends a lot of time here. He's also got a family. They, I mean, the intent originally, I think his daughter was looking at going to college here, so um, they were just going to move. But I mean, you know, 
if someone's committed to spending nine of 12 months here when you only have three months, three and a half months of playing time and they spend eight and a half months here, I can't really, you know, say much because the guy scouts talent all over the place. He and Greg McWilliams have gone to a bunch of college games. He, they, they've gone to, they've been to every domestic MLR game, MLR team for at least one game, like a home game for each one of those teams. So there's, eight American MLR teams this year. He's been to every single one of them at least once. So do they have coach development? I don't think that's where you need to use him for coach development. Uh, has he done coach development stuff? He's done a lot of coach development stuff. Uh, he did a, you know, um, there was a, I wouldn't say it was a week long, but there was a, there was a clinic at Yale uh, with Gary Gold, which was really cool. I didn't get a chance to go to that, but he was, uh, he was killing it. He's done more than a few of those uh, all over the country. Uh, at the end of the day, trying to get this side ready has probably taken more of a, more of a priority than some of the coach development stuff. And you know, at the and partially, we got to fund that. But when it comes to showing up to games and having discussions with coaching staffs about the players that are likely to be selected for the World Cup. Yeah, they have those conversations all the time. Um, he has watched every single MLR game this year. Think about that. I mean, I've watched every single MLR game. And they also I've watched every single one several times. Just yes. Yeah. And then their their analyst has broken down film of every single one of the players that is likely to be selected and has sent that to all the coaches. So when it when it comes to being invested in American rugby, Gary's definitely invested in American rugby. Yeah, he didn't move here like we originally asked, but there were some family things that took precedence over that. And, you know, we are – we've become a much better organization at USA Rugby when it comes to dealing with with family stuff. And, you know, he's he's given us everything that you could ask for an international coach. And sometimes they have to take some time off. Uh, to recharge their own batteries. Yeah, especially when you consider his daughter's a senior in high school, that that would be a really tough time to move, you know, somebody across the pond. So, um, and also, I mean, just for the sake of, I've seen Gary at a, at a Sabercat game before, um, was able to shake his hand really quickly as I was walking and shit. Uh, but yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't see him doing any coach development. I saw him talking uh, with like, uh, with, with Fitzpatrick. Um, I, but that was, you know, the extent of that. Okay. And last question of the night, once again about Gary Gold, once again from SD Yeti. Is there, is there any info on Gary and USAR agreeing to the next cycle? Man. I got nothing. I hope so. I, I do hope so because I don't know where else you're going to well, – I kind of know where else I would look, but I don't think Atlanta would like that. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. All we're, right. We're, we're a fan of Gary Gold on this show. Yeah. Well, and it would be wonderful to have that consistency um, over multiple World Cup cycles. So I don't think anybody. There, there's that. only one job I see him leaving for. Supposedly. Uh, Rassi Erasmus is going to move back into full-time director of rugby, director of high-performance role, and not be also the coach for the Springboks. 
and Gary was, I, th- I would say, the assistant head coach uh, for a period of years with the Springboks, uh, and he was their forwards coach during that period of time. So that would be the only job. And, I mean, the head coach role would be the only job I see him uh, leaving for right now. So. And with that, we are on to final thoughts. So uh, on our way out, Aaron, you got any final thoughts for the folks? Tristan blew it, man. You're going to be a saint. Let's, let, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Sean Payton is one who is known to experiment uh, with, with bringing people in. Well, it was it was kind of funny. I posted it. On... Also, I mean, hold on. Could Tristan Blewett be a Darren Sproles, though? That Oh, yeah. Um, this I mean, he, he might not have the receiving ability, but definitely the speed, the size, you know, you know, on could be definitely like a dangerous jet sweep candidate. So uh, I saw that and I immediately texted, I immediately texted Ryan Fitzgerald and I said, Tristan, I have a workout with the Saints. He's like, yeah, it's like they watch MLR highlights. Um, and I got a call from Sean Payton and said, bring him in. And he, they had him for an hour. I mean, they had him for longer than an hour, but after an hour they said, uh, do you want to come back to minicamp for the next three days? So, like, he caught every single ball thrown to him. Um, it, it, I mean, I, when the pads go on, it's going to be different because that yeah. might, like, his, his speed is his, was one of his biggest assets. And so how, how that's going to affect it. Also, like his field vision with the helmet on, that's yeah. a big thing that rugby players tend to not really think about when they try to make the jump to the next sport. So it, it would be interesting. And I think that one, there was one of the commenta- commenters on the, on the status we posted on Facebook and – I said, you know, yeah, if, if it happens and he gets signed to the practice squad or something, that's actually awesome because this could be the beginnings of a holistic relationship between – a holistic and inclusive relationship between the Saints and the gold to where you could have uh, sort of a, uh, a cross – distribution of talent like people are like well what about you know nfl practice squad players could they could we get some of that talent because some of those guys want to they, they want to compete at a high level in some sport um so you could end up there's there's usually clauses and um so no, I, i'm not it, saying it, it, i'm not it, saying so you're drafted especially well i'm not we're talking about enjoined enjoined contracts that where it stops you from playing somewhere else i'm not talking about i'm saying hey uh, you know, can we take a look at this guy? Uh, you know, you, you, he's a high level athlete that you got, uh, and they have a discussion and if it works out and they're like, Hey, we want to bring him in. Um, he's okay with being released and he'll sign with us. And can, can the NF can, would the saints release a guy? And there just be, becomes like a cross pollination of talent. It's possible. It would be great if that's when's what. The, uh, when, when's the next CBA uh, dis, uh, supposed to be up for the NFL? Um, it's 2020, so after yeah. the 2019 season. So that's where it gets funny. But all NFL players, to include practice squad players, are enjoined from playing at least from a compet to a competitive competitor league. So. 
uh, and you have to get exceptions to play other sports. Now, like Kyler like Murray, Brown. Kyler Murray got the exception, but he was also the first pick in the draft. Uh, Russell Wilson uh, was a, to an extent, was a much higher level prospect in baseball than he was drafted out of college. He was a third rounder, and where he was in the system for, I think it was the A's. Um, also, interestingly enough. Uh, the Rangers. I, oh, I thought. yeah, the Rangers. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, you're right. And oh no, the Rockies. Rockies. The Rockies, of course. Having a Rockies fan on the show. Does, does that count as a 2000s reference uh, too? Because they haven't been relevant since then. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, for the most part, NFL contracts enjoin people from playing. And I'm pretty sure as we progress, MLR contracts will be like that. But if there is a cross-pollination of talent, it would be really cool. You know, I, why not? Yeah. Um, so for my final thought, I just want to say go Bruins. And But most importantly of all, I am thinking about you, David Ortiz. Uh, shout out to Big Poppy. Uh, shot by some coward in the DR. Uh, all of Boston is thinking about you. That's my final thought. Hey, we're all thinking about Big Poppy. Get better soon, buddy. There's literally no person in all of Boston sports who's like, oh, I think a lot of people around the country can just agree that is like a good person. Like, it's Big Poppy. All right. Well, with that, I think we'll go ahead and close her out for the night. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, we appreciate the support. On our way out, let me just say that uh, all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby, and Liam uh, Poach is paid (laughs) once in a while by the uh, Houston Sabercats. Be sure to tune in next week where we'll be live again Monday night on YouTube and available on your favorite podcast platform on Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please subscribe uh, to our YouTube and iTunes feeds uh, or or whatever they send out to replace iTunes, RIP. Uh, It helps folks find us and uh, helps us move up those charts. We really appreciate it. And be sure to send us your news, views, and abuse on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or via email at earfulofdirt at gmail.com. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. And before, uh, before we get back next Monday, go out and watch a championship game. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.